Welcome back to So You Wanna, a podcast for writers by writers. I'm Meg, and Elle and I started this brand to create a space for authors to chat, hang out, and just be. The world needs more books. It needs your books. Let's make that happen. I'm the author of the Miranda Writes Trilogy, a dark werewolf romance that follows Detective Miranda Walker as she discovers the undying nightlife in Memphis, Tennessee. I've also written the 2021 Wadi shortlister novel, the Osler's Boy, a pseudo-medieval story about forbidden love, and a few other titles varying from historical fantasy and contemporary romance. I think you'll find that I like to cross genres. You can find my work on Wattpad under Megan Alexandria, or follow me on Instagram at author Megan Alexandria. And if she's Meg, I'm Elle. I've written For the Love of Art, a contemporary romance following the story of Isla Watts as she navigates going about divorcing her husband. This novel was shortlisted for the 2021 Wadis. I also have my novel Read, which is the first of my five-part series titled The Bachelor Collective. And last but not least, I have a holiday novella, A Very Coordinate Christmas. If you are looking to connect with me, you can follow me on Instagram at lmeredith.writes. I'm also on TikTok at lmeredith.writes. And finally, you can follow me on Wattpad at lmeredithwrites. Woo, that's a growing intro, huh? Only to get worse after the crazy year we have planned for ourselves. (laughs) Listen, it's important to have a plan. In fact, I just said this in Sunday's Instagram show, like all about plotting that having a plan can really help you stay focused. So whether it's like having an outline for your novel or an actual an actual planner for deadlines, I feel like it really changes the game. Okay, yeah, I guess I'll give you that. I'm just saying that by July, you might find me curled in a ball under my desk crying, just a shell of L. Save that for NaNoWriMo, friend. Oh, sweet Jesus. I forgot about NaNoWriMo. Is that this year too? Yeah, I feel morally obligated to tell you it's going to be every year. Not going to say I'm having a panic attack, but I can feel the room closing in around me right now. (laughs) All right, let's get this episode already. (laughs) This week, we are talking about character development. Yeah, I mean, anytime I think about a novel that I really loved, while the story itself, of course, plays a role, it's really the characters that draw me in. Not to give spoilers, but for example, when we first met and I wanted to support your writing, I was a little skeptical of reading Miranda Writes because (laughs) it's a romantic And I've said this a lot, but fantasy is just not my thing normally. Definitely not the section of the bookstore that I head to first. Yeah, uh, I picked up on that when you had to be told uh, what a Grisha was three episodes into Shadow and Bone. Yeah, okay. Oh, look, the point is that the characters you created actually really drew me into the novel and made me want to be a part of the world that you created. 
Miranda is very crass and blunt for anyone who is wondering a little bit about the Miranda rights. Um, and definitely on the surface, she's maybe not someone that you'd consider likable. Um, but I actually really love her. Like, I admire her for being a strong force. And Bishop, who is the love interest, is just dreamy. Like, seriously, please, Bishop, call me darling. I'm here for it. <laughs> Uh, but since this is my show and I get to promote you all I want, the main point I'm trying to make is that you actually create really strong characters in all your novels. And of course, another novel that immediately comes to mind, and I know you'll rag on me, but Outlander. Okay, a week ago, I would have said something like, oh God, here we go. But now I'm starting to feel a bit obsessed with my current read, so... I will no longer hold Outlander against you. Wow. Growth. You all heard it here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't really know what to do with that, so I'm just going to keep talking. Uh, anyways, I will say that I instantly fell in love with Claire Randall. She was just so intelligent. And under strange and alarming circumstances, she was really able to hold her ground. And Jamie, he is just a manly man, and I'm into that. <laughs> Anyways, it's the characters that really stick with me in novels. Like, what about you? Can you think of novels where the characters were just super memorable? Well, obviously the one I just hinted at, which I know that I'm late to the party, but A Court of Thorn and Roses, I'm just amazed by the transitions and the cast. I remember thinking in like chapter three, like I knew so much about so many characters all at once. And it's just continued on like, on like that through the whole book. Um, another one that comes to mind, and I feel like we're always talking about this, but Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, yes, we definitely are. But, you know, I guess why everyone came here to listen is to figure out how to get someone talking about their book on a podcast and, you know, how to create memorable characters. So I think there are a lot of ways to actually go about character development. Uh, you know, a good novel has characters that are well-defined from the main cast to the support their people. They have goals, individual motivations, and they can handle whatever obstacles the author throws at them. Character development is one of the literary terms a writer hears a lot, but it's so essential to fiction writing. It's what hooks readers into the narrative arc of a story. So just to start um, by defining what character development is, uh, character development is about giving your story a personality. It's about remembering to sculpt the side cast into full, full figures, um, not just leaving them as masks for your protagonist to wear or as a means to get them from point A to Z. You got to breathe life into every character. Um, and that's what's going to fuel the novel and keep people not only reading, but caring about the stakes. Believable characters are unique and three-dimensional they have real attributes, appearances, personalities, and backstories. Things that make them relatable to your audience. And again, their motivation is what informs their actions and decisions. 
Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't really matter what genre you're writing in. Thriller, mystery, regency, fantasy, romance, or some combination, you need to spend time fleshing out the details of your characters. Also, don't feel like you need to know your character inside and out before you type the first word. A lot of times these details come to light as you write. Oh, definitely. And, you know, we're just here to give you tips and tricks that help us get started with developing our own characters. Never feel like you're locked into anything. I have found in my own writing that having fluidity has actually helped me create better, more realistic characters. So one of the first things I recommend doing is thinking about your characters' motivations and their goals. All right, here we go. As we said above, Meg and I are huge Lord of the Rings fans. Literally the other day, we had a back and forth using lines from the Fellowship of the Ring. It was the nerdiest yet best conversation. Anyway, I digress. When I think about goals and motivations, Frodo definitely comes to mind. His main goal is to get the ring to Mordor. His motivation comes from his dream of having a big adventure like Bilbo did in The Hobbit. Without the adventurous motivation, the goal wouldn't be met. If Frodo was a homebody who just wanted to stay in the Shire forever, what are the chances he would have journeyed to Mount Doom? Pretty slim. And that's why motivation matters. Without it, actions can't be made to drive the plot towards the final goal. Another thing to consider is the voice of your story. By that, I mean, who is telling it? Is it your main character or someone outside of the action? Let's break that down a little bit more. Another thing to consider is the voice of your story. By that, I mean, who is telling it? Is it your main character or is it someone outside of the action? Let's break it down a bit more. First person point of view is when the character is the narrator. This is generally revealed by I statements. Readers often assume that the narrator is closely related to the action. So either a main character or someone close to the main character. So think Princess Bride when he interjects in the narration. First person can provide a level of intimacy and a deeper look into the character's mind but it's also limited by the actual perception of that character. You won't be able to say what other characters are feeling. You're going to be reliant on showing and the character you're writing being able to read those signals. Second person is not often used. You'll know you're reading it when it says you. It can be good to draw readers into your story so that they feel part of the action. And finally, we have third person. In this case, you, the author, are narrating the story. You use pronouns such as he, she, they. This is further subdivided into third person omniscient and third person limited. In third person omniscient, the narrator knows everything about the story and its characters. They can enter anyone's mind, move freely through time, and give the reader their own opinions and observations as well as those of the characters. The per third person limited point of view is when an author sticks closely to one character but remains in third person. 
This style gives you the ability to be inside a character's thoughts, feelings, and sensations, which can give readers a deeper experience of the character and scene. An example would be, as she watched him leave, she was afraid he'd never come back. Yeah, and you know, some books are even written in multiple points of view. Outlander, for example. Resisting. When it's Claire's point of view, it's in first person. But there are many chapters written in third person because there are just a myriad of characters that come into play as the story progresses. And the author kind of gives us a bit of insight into a few of them. So I will say that a big mistake that I read mostly on platforms like Wattpad and, and Inkit uh, not so much in traditionally published books who have, you know, fancy editors to help with this, um, is information dumps. So I start reading a book and it begins by giving me the character's full story. And I really don't get the pleasure of getting to know that character through the book and really being able to watch them grow. So take it slow, little bits of information at a time. Think about how you get to know someone in real life. Every time you talk to them, you get a little more information. And the more time you spend with them, the more you get to know their personalities and quirks. And sometimes it's actually the people around them who give you more insight. So have your book do the same. To your readers, every character, including your main one, should feel like meeting someone new in real life. And now the good stuff, conflict. At its core, conflict is the literary device that pits opposing forces against one another, most often involving the main character. It can be an external force, like a villain who is against your protagonist, or internal, such as acting against their morals. Conflict creates tension and is used to move a story forward by forcing characters to make decisions. To create conflict, you need to know the backstory of your character. As we said before, don't feel like you need to know every single detail of them, but having a solid idea of their origin definitely helps. We all have backstories. They shape who we are as people and in turn, how we handle change. Your character's backstory might not make it into your book and that's okay. The point of knowing it is really to help you understand what makes them do the things they do, how and why they think the way they do, what values are woven into them, and why they make the decisions that they make. Yeah, and backstory is important, and so is personality. And to create believable characters, they need to have a personality. And this is for your main and secondary characters. And the best way to do that is to make sure that they're based on characteristics of real people. Okay, as a writer, I often get asked if I'm in my novels or if my characters are based off people I know. The answer is yes and no. There are definitely pieces of me scattered in all of my characters. And things people have said to me have definitely made it into my books. But still, I've never truly created a character that is 100% me or anybody else. However, I do stand by what I said at the top. 
To truly create a multidimensional character, you have to use real personality traits and don't leave out the quirks. We all have those two. And remember, your readers want to know what your character looks like. So your job is to paint that image in their minds. Describe your character's physical appearance, hair color, eyes, stature, but also their mannerisms, their body language. Describe those ambient details to help your audience gather a more realistic image of your character. Final tip, develop your secondary characters. Yes, definitely make sure that you have secondary characters that are meaningful to your story. Otherwise, shred them, feed them to others, whatever needs to happen. So as you can see, Meg is pretty passionate about having meaningful secondary characters. You know, I know I told her in one of my novels that I'm actually currently rebooting uh, Kalorglin, the original, not the Christmas novella. There is a character in there where I strongly question their purpose. And Meg actually agreed with me that I could create a more compelling story and make the stakes even higher for my main character if I axed just one side character. So here I'm going through the crazy process of pulling a whole person out of a book. Um, It's going to be interesting. Anyways, the point of that story is that this is why secondary characters matter. Picking back up the Lord of the Rings torch, um, let's talk about Samwise Gamgee uh, to Frodo. Without Sam, it's pretty clear that Frodo would not have made it to the end. He definitely contributes to Frodo's ability to destroy the ring, and he ends up being a total hero. He is a dynamic character. He has thoughts, feelings, morals, personality, all outside of his central mission of essentially being Frodo's sidekick. If you're going to create a static character, meaning a flat character arc that does not evolve much, contrast them with a dynamic character like Sam, one who undergoes a metamorphosis throughout the story. And as we stated, spending time fleshing out the details of your characters is an incredibly important part of the writing process. So please, don't skip it. Are you thinking about starting a podcast? Then you need Anchor. That's the app we use. Anchor is a podcasting platform that gives you the power to create content on your terms. The best part? It's free. So what are you waiting for? Start recording your show today. So now that we've given some advice to creating main characters, maybe we can discuss some other things we do for side character creation. Hmm, Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that I seem to love creating big families. Uh, For example, in my upcoming book, Spencer, he is the youngest of five boys. It gets pretty complicated when it comes to having to define the roles of each brother in his life. Um, They can't all be the same and how they treat Spencer can't all be the same. That's where creating a family tree really helps me. To start with, I use it to break down all the family members. Are they married? What are their partner's names? Do they have kids? How many? And so forth and so forth and so forth. 
Once I have all the names and people listed, I then move on to their personalities and their relationship with the main character. I mean, after all, just because you're related to someone, it doesn't mean that you have a peachy relationship. All this leads to what I want to know next, which is how would each family member approach the central conflict of my novel? This will help guide me as to what advice they would or wouldn't give the main character. I don't want to give away any spoilers. I will say that Spencer's large family is important because it shapes his values when it comes to, surprise, surprise, family. And this plays an important role in what is to come for him in his story. I know in Calorgolin and a very Calorgolin Christmas, you gave Patrick a pretty big family too. Yeah, as I said, it it definitely feels like a theme in my novels. Um, Large families and large families with all boys. Um, Even in my novel Reed, he has an older brother. Uh, Don't worry, though. Uh, Calorglin also shows a brother-sister relationship. But yeah, again, the large family plays a big role in why Patrick loves going home so much. Um, family is such a huge part of his life. And again, not wanting to give away any spoilers, uh, it helps him be more empathetic towards what Laurel is going through. At the end of the day, I think we can all agree that family is important. Like our families, good or bad, shape us. Um, and so I definitely find that in creating a family tree and giving the family some history, uh, it really helps me get to know my characters in a different light. Um, and it also informs me of how they might react to things based on how they were raised. Um, and yeah, and so this is just one of the ways that um, I kind of try to create secondary characters that are, are realistic and helpful to my plot. But uh, what about you, Meg? You know, you're like the character development queen. I'm always in awe of your side characters and how <laughs> dynamic they are. Um, they're literally so rich that you could actually create fanfic spinoffs of them well thank you and I'm not saying that that is exactly what happened um and how we got of sword and horses started but for anyone listening who doesn't know this the ostler's boy was supposed to be a one-shot never again book and now it is a series Um, And that happened because a few readers insisted on hearing Elias's story. So for me, character creation is the best part. I consider it the same mechanism as world building because, you know, a real world has people in it. So the advice that I would give out is to remain very intentional in the pieces that you place on the board. Knock out the main character's arc first. Then think about how the people in their lives are going to react to the changing course. It sounds strange, I admit, but I also do things like assign Myers-Briggs personality types to almost every character I write. Sometimes I play with zodiac signs, especially in the fantasy uh, I wrote that requires attention to the metaphysical. Um, And then as an overall catch-all, I categorize everyone into my own set of archetypes to keep me focused. So for example, in the Ostler Boy series, I have characters that I call knights. 
but the ones that fall under this umbrella aren't actual soldiers or not all of them anyway it's more of a personality trait they're the ones who have the hero's complex and the overprotective impulse to defend the main character who is a princess <sighs> well with all that said i think we're right at the end of our time for today I just want to say thank you to everyone who is out there listening and subscribing. If you're looking to connect with me, find me on Instagram at author Megan Alexandria or on Wattpad at Megan Alexandria. Yeah, and uh, you can find me on Instagram at lmeredithwrites. I'm also on TikTok at lmeredith.writes. And finally, catch me on Wattpad at lmeredithwrites. <laughs> Next week, we revisit writing fantasy. Same time, same place. So we want to see you there. <laughs>